Welcome to DLA Piper's Tech Law podcast series with me, Jan Means, partner and managing director at global law firm DLA Piper. And welcome to today's podcast in which I and an imminent industry executive will be exploring various topics in the area of technology law. Here I extend a special welcome to Dirk Scheumann, General Counsel Germany at ATOS, a global advisory services group that supports the digital transformation of its global portfolio clients across all business sectors. Greetings, Dirk. Uh, for the benefit of our listeners, I'd be grateful if you would give a brief introduction of your professional background. Yeah, of course, Jan. Happy to do so. First of all, thanks for having invited me to this recording. As you mentioned, my name is Dirk Scheumann. I'm working now for almost uh, five years and two months with Atos. Prior to that, I used to be a lawyer in the legal team of Accenture for about eight years. And prior to that, I was a lawyer in private practice and for practically 20 years in the IT sector. Within Atos, I'm heading the legal team in Germany and I'm taking care of the legal operations, so meaning all of the customer-related business, compliance and corporate in the IT sector. So getting straight into the subject of the impact of new technologies on enterprise, efforts to capture competitive advantage, are you seeing some level of maturity in the adoption of uh, the cloud, for example, across the business sectors that ATOS supports? When it comes to cloud computing, one could think so that it, there is a certain maturity on the market because the word cloud computing exists for quite a while and uh, cloud offerings are in existing existence for quite a while. But if you look at the reality to which extent huge companies have really implemented uh, cloud in, into their IT system environment, I'd say at least for Germany, and that's the market where I'm mainly looking at, there is room for improvement. And I wouldn't say that the environment has already reached a certain level of um, maturity. I would rather say we are a bit late in the digitalization. And uh, I mean, cloud is driving digitalization and digitalization is driving cloud. And pretty much of our customers, I think they, they have maintained for quite a while tailor-made, bespoken, own IT applications which have been um, tweaked and torched and benched uh, over years uh, to fit their purposes. So nothing out of the box, no standardizations, which makes it quite cumbersome and difficult to bring their platforms and their applications into the cloud, which means they really have a need now to transform to transform their IT landscape and that requires to a certain extent also to transform their business processes because that goes hand in hand. So having said that, I don't think for the German market we have reached a level of maturity. Most of the customers have now a cloud agenda. They know they want to go to the cloud, they do the RFPs, they look for the right supplier. But uh, I don't think that any of them is really aware of the, the tremendous impact that will have on their day-to-day -day business, what it really means if they transform any, literally anything in their company. Yeah, I think that's, that's an interesting observation that you're describing. I think it somewhat reflects our findings in the technology uh, report. We can see that the, the main benefits of cloud features uh, was described as the scalability of systems and the instant connectivity of the system, which exactly is what, what you're describing, that you're moving away from legacy and bespoke services more to standardized products. I mean, looking into your customer base, what do you think are the main other drivers for customers to make that decision? Is it probably security or is it return on investor? What are the aspects that... that I think 
at least from my view, uh, the scalability and the ability to react faster to the needs on the market is one of the drivers for, for the customers. Because if you maintain your own IT environment, which is quite uh, so the opposite of dynamic, it doesn't move much. And if so, you have to do huge investments. You never know whether it uh, pays out off. And uh, so uh, to rely on uh, someone who is uh, providing to you a, a platform which is really at a finger snip scalable and uh, can be enriched by, by other services, by more intelligence. If you look at Google, okay, they, they offer a cloud platform, which is, uh, to me, almost commodity, but they um, enrich that with a lot of intelligence, huh? whether it is Google Analytics or other stuff. That's also the reason why we are partnering um, with Google, because they are able to offer, uh, I'd say, uh, on, with a very fast speed, tailor-made solutions in, 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 in collaboration with uh, solution providers as we are, huh? because we do the next layer. Uh, on their cloud platform, so we do then uh, the customized solution for the customer running on this environment. And I think cost is also an important uh, factor, but I don't think it's the most important. It's really the ability to react more flexibly and faster on the needs and the, the requirements of the market. I think that is important. I mean, that, that's an interesting development because when cloud was introduced a couple of years ago, it was sold as the commodity standardized service without any uh, particular amendments to uh, individual customers' needs. What you're describing is a probably a different business model that, that uh, at least ITOS is working on. So if I understand it correctly, you take this standard cloud layer and then add additional services to make it more customer tailored, customer friendly, or basically adjust the cloud uh, towards the customer needs. So my question would be, is that something which differentiates Atos from other IT providers? Or would you say the overall industry is actually moving towards this model, which in the end would mean that clouds is not, is not cloud technology is not really standard technology any longer, but it's the basis, the foundation for bespoke IT services? Two thoughts about that. First of all, <laughs> what is differentiating Atos in the cloud business from other competitors I think the most important um, point here is we are a kind of a full service provider. We are able to provide any type of service, whether it is uh, cybersecurity, whether it is uh, high performance computing. We have our own platform, our own supercomputer platform. We, we do big data analysis. Uh, we do the more classical business uh, like um, technology consulting and system implementation, system integration, and still the outsourcing uh, business, but which is, and we come then to the second uh, reflection, declining uh, to, uh, and shifting towards uh, cloud offerings. So the customer really don't want to add own assets. They really want to get the pure output from you as a provider. Ideally, you are responsible for the full chain. Uh, um, that means we partner with a, a cloud uh, provider, which can at least for public cloud uh, do a better job than we do uh, because uh, we, we are more specialized on doing a bespoken solution for our customer cloud in the premises or private cloud or hybrid cloud. So if it comes to public cloud, we partner with uh, the big players which are, um, let's say, more mature in that business and we add our value by uh, the variety of our offerings also, communication, collaboration through our Unify 
division and all of that uh, can and is and will be operated uh, on cloud platforms. Mm -hmm. So cloud is an integral part of your business. It can yeah, and I think for us it's a good thing as we are a full service provider. We can literally offer anything a customer may need in its IT environment and uh, we are able to bring it on the cloud. I mean, we did, for example, uh, one of the biggest projects and that's uh, something I can disclose. It was also published. Uh, we did a huge transformation for Siemens and we, we moved in very short term their sub-environment to Sapana on our bull um, computer environment, uh, I think for 375,000 uh, users, which was at that time the biggest cloud uh, transformation combined with Sapana ever done. I mean, speaking of cloud uh, projects of this size, I mean, uh, it it's clearly has become part of the overall IT landscape uh, in Europe, in Germany in particular. So customers apparently see the benefits uh, of clouds. But when we spoke to our, uh, to our clients and to people in the business in order to create uh, this year's tech index, uh, we were also told that there were certain drawbacks of cloud technologies. I wouldn't say it's a risk or it's a concern, but people see that there's not, the grass not everywhere green. And uh, they refer, for example, to security and data privacy issues, also to cost issues. I wouldn't take that too seriously because there's always a certain level of cost involved if you, uh, if you in, uh, implement new IT services. But what else are the concerns that are brought to your attention when you uh, negotiate uh, cloud deals? For example, I mean, you in your, in your capability of the general counsel, are you confronted with special legal problems when it comes to cloud technologies or is it something which is business as usual? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say that there is something which is completely surprising me when we dis are discussing with our customers. Uh, the contracts have become a bit more complicated. For example, if we don't deliver our own cloud, but we are using a partner and the customer wants to have the benefits from a fully fledged public cloud uh, for cost reason or whatever, I mean, it is quite clear that we use standard terms and conditions of the, uh, the cloud platform provider uh, because that's the only way you can achieve the cost benefits. Uh, on the other hand, they want to have um, one prime contractor, which is us, and they want us make liable uh, for anything uh, down through the chain of uh, delivery, including the cloud platform, which uh, can be sometimes a bit difficult, uh, but uh, I wouldn't say that there are uncommon problems uh, which we did not have in the past for other types of offerings. It has become a bit more, it requires more, more time to negotiate these contracts because they consist of more parts and mm. more um, participants, uh, but in general, I wouldn't say we have um, huge legal issues with that. But on your other questions, uh, on the, down, the drawbacks, the downsides of, of cloud, I would say it highly depends from uh, the concrete business needs of a customer and in which uh, sector or area the customer is doing its business, whether it is highly regulated, whether uh, the customer wants to process sensitive data, whether it is personal or not on, on a cloud environment. The customer may think about his security um, requirements and <laughs> we are able to help the customer. And I mean, there's such a huge variety of uh, different offerings. Huh? If there is a high need for security, you do a cloud on-premise. Uh, if uh, there is a lower 
level of security required. You can do um, a private cloud, you do a hybrid cloud, or if uh, really you, you say that is commodity stuff I'm going to process on the cloud platform, I do public cloud. But even in public cloud, you have uh, a lot of technology to ensure uh, the security of your data. Uh, yeah. uh, so from a, from a technical perspective to say it's end-to-end -end encrypted and even though your data is on a platform of uh, Google or Amazon or whomever, only you can read it because only the, the end users uh, um, are able to access the data and uh, to encrypt it. So I'd say it is uh, pretty much secure. There are still some discussions ongoing because of uh, it, it, it has nothing to do with the industry. It has, has more to do with the government, uh, which uh, may be interested to get hold of certain data. I mean, if you look at the US or other countries, and uh, that can be a problem. It requires you to think about where do I locate my service ideally, but even that may not help in any case, uh, uh, as was demonstrated in the case uh, of Microsoft. Uh, so that is an ongoing discussion with our customers and I must say, unfortunately, to a certain extent, there is no really satisfying response to that. Uh, you cannot avoid at the end that uh, an authority may um, take your data or force uh, your uh, one of your um, legal entities, which may be based in the US or somewhere else, to disclose, uh, to, to disclose the data. And even though if they are not the owner of the data, the data is located elsewhere, they may have... Uh, enough levers to force them to do so. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's an issue and we are discussing with our customers. Uh. So, but I mean, if you, if you look at this uh, from a, I don't know, 10,000 uh, feet high level, you would say that the same risks would probably apply to non-cloud technologies because if there is an enforcement action going on to disclose data, Absolutely true. it would be the same whether data is stored on a cloud. It's not a new a issue. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's a not associated necessarily to cloud. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I agree. I mean, that's not a cloud specific. Any hosting risk. of data at the end has the same. Yeah, yeah I would agree. Imminent, uh, inherent risk. So, I mean, looking at the overall situation as of today, and I appreciate nobody really knows how Brexit will look like, but uh, I think it's pretty clear that it will come. What do you think, how will this affect your cross-country cloud deals? Will there be an effect or do you think you, you will be able to mitigate risk for, for customers and how do, you, how do you deal with this? We as Atos, for sure we are prepared. Uh, it's uh, since quite a while that we know this may happen or not. So we are prepared and I, I don't think that it will directly impact us. We will. We have a strong representation in the UK and that will stay and operate uh, whether the Brexit comes or not and we will collaborate as one global company. It may have uh, even a beneficial impact on the attractiveness of uh, Europe mainland huh? because it might be easier in the future to do investments, heavy investments into technology and uh, the European Union, uh, the European Commission, uh, they are heavily pushing programs for research and development in the technology area, whether it is uh, in the quantum computing or in the uh, data highway so that you have faster internet everywhere. So. I wouldn't say it is negatively impacting European mainland. The opposite is the case. I would rather say, unfortunately, it's a bit um, a pity for UK 
because they may not fully benefit from all of this development and also the uh, investments uh, triggered by the European Union. Yeah, well, clearly that depends on, mm. on, on the deal and, and, and the respective terms. But th yeah, thanks for your insights in this regard. That's, that's also interesting to hear. One of the other aspects of our, our topics of our uh, European technology report was basically a survey on cybersecurity. And that's, that's a different topic I appreciate, but that's something I'd like to discuss with you because there was one, one well, statistic that I found particularly interesting. It says that 44% rated their worry at 8 or 9 or 10, even 10, which is really high, uh, in 2018, as also seen in the 2016 report. So there, it seems to be high on the radar of, uh, of IT professionals. And uh, I'd like to hear your view, probably your utter's view or your personal view on, uh, on in this regard, because at least to me, cybersecurity is something which needs to be taken absolutely seriously and uh, probably, pro well, I mean, might produce the big, biggest risks to IT over the next couple of years. Yeah, it's uh, really good that you're mentioning this. So I was interest, with great interest following your tech event this morning and the presentation of uh, uh, your index and uh, was uh, also a bit surprised about uh, the figure that uh, only 44% of the uh, participants of your survey um, rated cybersecurity as an area of uh, concern that they are worried about. And I think uh, the figure is if you really take the reality into account, the figure is uh, amazingly low. Why am I saying that for me, and that is my observation, there is really a war for information outside going on. And uh, if I can take one example from, from my own professional experience, Atos is now uh, providing IT services for the uh, Ol Olympic Games since um, almost two decades, if I'm not wrong. And uh, during the Olymp Olympic Summer Games in 2016, the Atos Operations Center for the IT services was able to strike back more than uh, 570 million hacking attempts during the event, the which is an number. incredible number. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. And it demonstrates how real and how intense the threat is. I mean, you have to read the newspapers, whether it is uh, the suspicion that officials from other countries trying to influence elections, or whether they intrude into the systems of IT uh, or other uh, industry companies in order to get hold of uh, valuable information or IP. I mean, it is very clear the future is information and you have to protect your information for a variety of reasons, whether it is loss of reputation, loss of money or your business model will be killed uh, if information becomes unveiled. And uh, so to me, cyber security is one of the most important topics you have to consider. Also under the impression of the obligations coming from the GDPR, uh, you have to disclose if there were incidents and uh, I don't think you really would like to disclose, oh sorry guys, someone has stolen my or the customer's data. So <laughs> I would say you'd better be uh, um, worried than sorry. Huh? You take uh, precaution and you take cybersecurity serious. And that is also the reason why we have a huge division with a lot of offerings in the cybersecurity area. And we take this extremely serious. We deal with a lot of uh, sensitive customer data, whether it is public or uh, pub public companies or even defense. And you cannot allow a flaw 
in that area. And so if only 44% are really, really concerned about that, I think it's a dramatic figure. Yeah, it's interesting. You can read the statistic from two sides. You could say it's 44% to read who rate their worry at the highest level and you you could watch or look at the at the uh, basically at the rating they give which would be concerning at the same time you could look at it as you did and say it's only 44% who rated it at 9 8 9 or 10 which also is concerning because you think and you say from your experience it should be much uh, many more people who look at it my from, my view is yeah. it should be 100% yeah, highest level uh, that that would be to me yeah. a reasonable approach uh, probably and, they have um, all agreed on on certain cybersecurity contracts with atos now <laughs> probably <laughs> ah, okay bad. yeah that that may be the reason <laughs> that's true <laughs> Yeah. I mean, from a legal perspective, what we do with our clients is uh, when we advise in the area of cybersecurity, we agree with them on step plans and how to react to cybersecurities and uh, cybersecurity attacks. And um, this is always great to have these plans in place, but you've got to practice them. And I assume this is something which your cybersecurity division is also doing, right? Preparing customers for the for the hacking event and uh, and also securing your own systems. Yeah, of course. Uh, we, we do a lot of uh, research and pra practicing here and training of customers to create awareness and uh, to, to offer the right solution for their specific need for security. I mean, well, there is no 100% protection, that must be clear, but you need to have the same pace as uh, the evil guy sitting on the other side of the fence and trying to get hold of your assets. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, that is something we, we are trying, pushing and uh, discussing with our customers. And uh, I, I don't think that this is maybe a, a realistic picture because most of our customers are really concerned about the security of uh, our offerings and their data. Also forced by the law, it's not only the GDPR, there is also the Information Security Act, which mm -hmm. uh, needs to be considered and uh, which can expose you to high risk if you don't have the right things in place to demonstrate that you're protected. Yeah, and in the end, I mean, you can take it to the next level and say um, a CEO, a COO or CIO of a company who does not have any cybersecurity uh, remediation plans in place is actually uh, fault, uh, is, is in, in default. And, uh, and in case there is a hacking effect, he might be held liable for, uh, for not preparing properly. That's also an aspect that, from a legal perspective, needs to be uh, taken into account. And by the way, that is also uh, a benefit from cloud computing because yeah. it's distributed computing at the end. And today you have technology opportunities to move in, in really in an instant from one data center to yeah. another where you have exactly the same data and where you can just continue your operation. It must not only because of a, a security incident, it may be also some natural disaster or other stuff uh, which could impact your operations. And uh, by using cloud and distributed computing capabilities, that can be also a very good thing. Mm -hmm. uh, to, yeah, I can imagine. I, uh, to ensure your operation, uh, operation of your customers. You're speaking of uh, a technological answer to, to cyber attacks and uh, that might be a good leeway into one of Atta's specialities. I know you, you mentioned it earlier, you have a high computing, uh, high performance computing um, division at Atta's that deals with uh, quantum computing. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? I found that very interesting when we discussed this a little bit earlier and probably our listeners would be interested in hearing about it too. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy to do that because I'm extremely excited about that part of the Atta's business and also 
the engagement of legal into that area. So uh, I think thanks to our CEO and chairman Thierry Breton, who is really interested into the development of technology and staying at the top of development, he, uh, he is pushing on the one hand, and that comes from uh, an acquisition in the past when we acquired Bull. He's pushing our ability to provide high performance computing power. So we, we have our own architecture and uh, I think it is still the most powerful in-memory calculation power which exists in the world and we are still progressing here. We have recently implemented a very powerful supercomputer in Germany, in Jülich, and uh, so that is one part. So we look at the power uh, side and secondly we, uh, we have uh, recently announced a collaboration with the region of Paris in France and we will uh, open a research and development center in France, uh, which will uh, take care of quantum computing research. It's not uh, that we are at the beginning. There, is already, there are already products in existence. For example, Atos has developed a so-called uh, quantum learning machine, mm -hmm. which is at the end a, sim a simulator, which uh, simulates a real quantum computer and recently uh, we managed to practically simula simulate a qubit. So that means our um, simulation running on Atos supercomputer behaves almost as a quantum computer. Okay, it's not as powerful because it's a simulation. But uh, the good thing with that is it enables you today to start development of uh, software products which are secure against um, attacks based on the power, the sheer calculation power of future quantum computers. Because once you have a real quantum computer, none of the, the existing encryption methodologies will be safe. Mm -hmm. You will be able to, crack, to hack, for example, an AIS uh, 2048 uh, encryption, which may take today between a couple up to thousand years, you will be able to hack that within 10 minutes. Wow. And that uh, demonstrates somehow the threat, uh, which is yeah. also associated to the future, and which means you can't wait until the first real quantum computer is uh, marketable and will start to work. You need to be prepared in advance, and uh, therefore I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited that uh, Atos is taking here a kind of technology leadership and really looking into the future, and uh, also for the legal department, that's uh, really an interesting thing because we also think about what does this mean for our work and for f future uh, offerings. Uh, do we have the right answer in law uh, mm -hmm. for that? Do we have to talk to the regulators with respect to, the, to this future? So that's to me a bit the grain, the, the, the salt in the soup also for my daily work. Very interesting. Uh, I mean, that's ex exciting news. I mean, let's just hope that you'll be able to develop that further and probably that will bring down the number of concerned customers in our technology index in 2020 down a bit. Let's see how this will <laughs> develop. Thanks, Dirk. This was, this was really a, a very interesting discussion with you. And also thank you from my side uh, for giving me the opportunity to talk with you. It was really uh, interesting. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks, Dirk.
Do look out for a further podcast from the global business law firm DLA Piper as we explore the influence of regulation and emerging technologies in business and wider society. Several podcasts, including ones focusing on food technology, fintech, robotics and automation, artificial intelligence, cybersecurity and crowdfunding are already available for you to listen to on our website or maybe accessed via the Apple Podcast app on iOS or SoundCloud as well as other apps and services for Android or other phones. Thank you from me, Jan Means, partner and managing director at Global Law Firm, DLA Piper.